You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are back from our summer hiatus. Glad you are with us. We did way more than the Flyers could have hoped for. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 121 of Orange and Back Check. Welcome back, everyone. So glad you are with us. Gearing up for another Flyers season of... Who knows? I mean, honestly, who knows? But a guy who has continued to try to make us stay positive, Scott Weinhardt. Welcome back, sir. How are you? I'm great, man. It's actually fun to see your ugly mug again. You know, you disappeared off the face of the earth for about a month. But, uh, you know, I thought I was going to have to go on and do an episode (laughs) without you. But you know what? As the true teammate that I am, I decided I will just stay off the airwaves and just allow you to live your life. Well, I sat here in this chair waiting for you the entire time. You also had nothing to talk about, did you? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's the problem. That's the problem being a sports podcast. There's like I know I know a couple. We've had obviously uh, a few guests on and and all that good stuff. uh, But like, I mean, the when when this is the problem. We've talked about how the Flyers and the NHL just needs to drastically. Like, what's great about the NFL is that it's a twelve month year. Or twelve month a year sport. It's a nonstop sport, even right. in uh, March and January, or in March and February, and all that good stuff. Because there's always something going on. The Flyers, like we've seen ebbs and flows of the offseason, the draft, obviously the free agency signings that were obviously disappointing at the end of it. But like, that's it. That you talk about that for a week and a half, two weeks at most. And then you're like, all right, uh, I guess we'll see you in September. So we're in the middle of August now. And it's like, we got to put something out. <laughs> we got to try and figure yeah, out. At least, yeah. I mean, at least we had the World Juniors, Canada beating Finland, uh, a couple of Flyers prospects uh, making some noise out there, namely uh, t- from Team Canada, Tyson Forrester, who I think is going to be the quote unquote breakout kid um, this season. I think he's going to like, obviously he's coming off that shoulder injury um, from last year, which hindered his development a little bit. So I would imagine, unless there's something just absolutely ludicrous in, in training camp this season and and the preseason, um, I imagine he'll start in Lehigh and then we'll, he'll get the call up later in the season. But like, other than that, like, this has been an, a dry off season. Like there's like, again, I don't know what Flyers fans are looking forward to in this off season. And again, the athletic did a, Eric Zun, and the athletic did his great uh, report on how they view the off season or the front office. And it's not great. And we'll get into that in a moment here, but is there anything to, to really latch our high hands to uh, for this upcoming off season or Susie season? Yeah, I think I think that for this season, I think the team looks at this is that they need to transition away from a Claude Giroux team 
to a team that has a brand new identity. I, you know, I look at this and this is why I think people are overreacting about how this team is going to perform this season. I, I really think that they, oh, they're going to be top three. You know, they're going to be top three in the draft. They have a shot at Connor Bedard. I, I mean, listen, you lose a big playmaker in Claude Giroux and puts up a lot of points consistently each year. Yes, that's going to hurt you of how many points you're going to put up. But there are ways to counter that. If your offense isn't as where it needs to be, then you play stronger defensively, which under Tortorello, they will. I, I just I think believe when I look at this team, they haven't done much this offseason. I think people are are still sour from the Johnny Goudreau situation, yes. which we'll get into in a bit because I, I've, I've thought about it a lot. And we'll also the situation of, of the aggressive retool and in the, the, the non-action on, on, on parts of what it is. I think that without trying to repeat ourselves, I think this team is actually set up to be surprising this year. I, I really, really do. And I, I the way I reason why I look at that is that I go back to the Islanders from like, you know, 2017, 2018, when the last season they had uh, Taves, John Tavares, Tavares, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tavares. Yeah. You know, they went 35, 37 and 10 and had 80 points. They bring in a new coach. They lose Tavares. And really just move on to the younger core. They went 48-27-7. A 23-point difference. I'm sorry. What, 103 points. Yeah. That's massive. I do remember I mean, you're that. talking 11 wins there. Yeah, I do remember like everyone just kind of anticipated the Islanders being this slog of a team after Tavares left. like And just being a dumpster fire that they've been in the past. And mm-hmm. they proved a lot of people wrong. So you're right on that. Uh, by the way. Outside of the Flyers having a bad offseason, and I think there's some debate on how you can view it, the Islanders did nothing. Like, they hired, yeah. they signed nobody. They're yeah, running they- it back, as they call it. And it's like, why would you run it back with a team that finished second to last place or third to last place, if I remember correctly, in the in the, in the the Atlantic or what, Metropolitan Division? Um, so, yeah, like, it's very interesting to – look, I, I think the problem with – the Flyers this offseason was you had it set up for a potential coming home is uh, storyline with Johnny Gaudreau. And you didn't set yourself up properly for that, whether you want to blame Chuck Fletcher, uh, just the Flyers brass in not preparing themselves in being able to make the sacrifice for JVR of uh, giving up those draft picks, what that would have cost to unload that contract. But the other thing is they, they they signed a new coach in um, Tortorella, mm-hmm. and that is now your big signing. Like, that is the big acquisition for the Flyers this offseason. Correct. And, look, it, I'm not here to say, like, it is a, a black scar or a black mark to try and market your coach as your big acquisition for this offseason. It's not. But... They also didn't make any attempt to market John Tortorella. Like you've seen him mentioned and you've seen him promoted on their social media pages every once in a while uh, for this uh, upcoming season. But look, you, you we know we're going to get some sort of better result, hopefully, out of this team under the, the guide of Tortorella because of how he is so much different than A.V. But like it, it, it's just... There's no hope any right now because we have no idea. People know the name Tortorella, 
but they might not know what he can do for a team in his first year, whether they are a good team like the the Pittsburgh Penguins were. Not that, Obviously, he didn't coach them. I'm just using them as an example. But a team that is m- struggling mightily in the Philadelphia Flyers the last three or four years plus, obviously really right. the last decade, it's a, it's, it's a tough thing to know what he can do when we don't know what he can do, if that makes sense. Like, he just hasn't been marketed at all by the by the Flyers, social media teams, marketing team, whatever you want to call it. Well, and I, I look at it this way, is that is it smart to even market him right now for that? Is it smart? I don't think so. Because you're coming up on a Phillies, you're with a Phillies team right now who is making a push for the playoffs. So a lot of people are, have their attention to that. The Eagles just started up, so you're going to have a ton of interest in them. You know, I don't think they're really thinking about doing this until probably in middle of September. Like Maybe, once they like, get training camp, right, training camp underway. I mean, there's no point to promote a coach right now when he's just planning training camp. They don't start training camp for another three weeks. Yeah, but there's way to, ways to market this. And look, there's no there's no um, bad time to market on social media. Like the Philadelphia Union are in the middle of a playoff hunt. They're the actually not just in the middle of a playoff hunt. They're the best team in the in the in the Eastern Division in the Eastern Conference in the Major League Soccer uh league. Like that is something that is being marketed every single day simultaneously while the excitement of the Philadelphia Eagles training camp is about to get underway or right. is, is underway and the 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 Phillies are in a playoff push. Like these things are not mutually exclusive. I get your point like it it, it is a um it is a wasteland in terms of like trying to stick on social media, especially in 2022 compared to just not even seven years ago when social media was kind of market social media marketing was becoming a thing. But like, just get the content out there. There's no such thing as bad content. That's why what we we do what we do with with our content pushes and all that stuff. So like this idea that we have to go radio silent. On social media, because oh, the Phillies are in a in a in a in a playoff push, and the Eagles are training camp is underway, and that's like you're technically competing with the Eagles during the season for the most part. Like your first half of the season from October until January is going to be up against the Eagles and the Sixers, two teams that are very much better than you, no matter what the situation is. Like the Eagles could be. Like three and I guess they would have a month so that they could be one in three, two and six at the worst. And they would still be better than you in terms of marketability by the time your season starts. So, like, just put it out there. Like, it's not bad to say, hey, our big acquisition this year is John Tortorella. All I'm asking is you spell his name correctly. We had another situation uh, where they spelled Travis Sanheim's name wrong. Uh, they pushed out an email to uh, ticket holders saying, hey, we offer these plans. I think it was a 10 and a 5 or a 5 and a 3 game plan, whatever it is. And they had Travis Sanheim as the poster boy for it. And they spelled his name wrong. They flipped the I and the E. Like, come on, guys. Like, what a this, joke. This is becoming a thing now. Like, yeah. you've seen it at the three stars multiple times, uh, three stars of the game. You've seen it at other press releases, at major press releases. And it's just like, how do we not have in 2022, 2022 people spell checking you? 
Like at this point, you have to have someone doing it. Like it's an embarrassment. Yeah, or yeah, somebody in general's got to look at that. Absolutely, that's embarrassing. That's absolutely embarrassing. It just shows that you're an organization that doesn't yeah. have a shit together. And and that, and that's on the marketing side. I'm not talking about the hockey outside. I'm talking specifically on the market. That's with the business side, and a lot of the um of of, of the team really needs yep. to step up. Like you know, we you know we've mentioned names in the past, but I, I believe that if listen. People who are sending out those press releases, you know, I understand Microsoft Word or whatever will always re- try to correct it, but you gotta have your players' names spelled right. Come on, that's such a bad. That just so such a disconnect from even yep. your team that you really don't give a shit. Like something that simple, like some happens every once in a while, can go out, like you know, like um, um. You know, when they had the the, the shit on the beach oh, thing yeah, yeah. years ago. That was, that was funny. That was and I think funny. They, yeah, yeah. if I remember correctly, yeah, they leaned into it a little bit. Like they mocked themselves. They were yeah, self-deprecating. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But now when you're just making mistakes, when you're sending out like, you know, Travis Sandheim's name is messed up. That That's not OK. Yep. That's not that's just shows carelessness. And that, and I think that. That resonates with with Philadelphia fans they more also than anybody did a else. Thing. It wasn't a spelling error. They they paid homage to a former player, maybe a coach, and they put up the wrong photo. Like it wasn't. The, I, re- I remember I, uh, that. Me. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. I know you're talking was, about. Give us a tweet at o, at o Backcheck on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. I like it, last it was, month. I it think. was yeah. very. It was bad. Like it, it's very. It's yeah. simple mistakes, but it goes back to what we've harped on for probably the better part of this year since we like really when things started going off the rails in January, I mean, things were bad in December, but like when it was clear, this team was not making the playoffs this past season in in January, if not earlier, like the disconnect that was clear between the fan base and, and the front office and the team was never more clear. Like it was, it was bad and it's still bad. And that goes to, what I want to talk about, like the big thing this week is the public confidence in the Flyers overall. Um, the, so the Athletic did this and it was basically just a poll of, hey, how do you view the team's roster building, draft development, trading, vision, all that good stuff across. So they did two different categories, fan base and public. Obviously, you can differentiate the two. They talked about people in the Philadelphia area and the fans and then just the general fan base or the public course of the NHL. Not only this is the thing that stuck out to me, and I know you saw this too, Scott. Not only are the Philadelphia Flyers in dead last place overall, 32nd at a 32, 32 out of 32 in overall roster building, cap management, draft development, trading, free agency, and vision. Across the board, D minuses for this team. In addition, this is what this is what caught my eye. Change over the last year. So from 2021 to 2022, the fan base. The Philadelphia Flyers fan base has lost 96% has a 96% change in their view of this team. 96%? That's worse than most political offices. Like it's it's that bad. The public, the Mm -hmm. overall NHL, had a 92% change in vision. So overall. You went from a team that was pretty favorably viewed by the public, by NHL fans and front offices, 
And you're now in a situation where you have lost not just your fan base. You've lost the NHL. Like, that's how bad it got. Could you imagine Ed Snyder being told or shown this chart going, hey, Ed, Mr. Snyder, we've lost we've lost the public. We've lost the NHL. Like, the Flyers losing the NHL, that's unheard of. And then we have people, you have Chuck Fletcher, Valerie Camilla, Dave Scott saying, oh, no, everything's fine. We're going through this aggressive retool. We're going to give a blank check. We're going to fix this thing. And your big signing is Nick Delorier. Yeah, yeah, Nick Delorier. Like, I don't, I don't even, like, I was trying to go through quickly who they signed. Nick Delorier is your big signing to a four year D. And Tony D'Angelo for what? That was a two year deal? Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? How have we, how have we gotten to this point? And again, we're talking about the same thing we talked about back in March and April, but like now that we have numbers to this, that's even more alarming and and, and concerning. It's, uh, it's I, I have I have no idea how how we do. It's this a simple here. explanation. It's it's going through a rebuild without telling their fans they're going through a rebuild. That's exactly what right. it is. They're trying to label it as aggressive. No, aggressive they've retool. been rebuilding for the past couple of years. They really have. They look. It's at, been a decade. It's been close to it. But think about it. They, they, if you really want to be look at the big picture and not just everything in a silo or look everything in in just from one season perspective. Hmm. What we're seeing on the ice now is an effect of the Ron Hextall rebuild. Okay, yes. That's what you're I saying. I will say okay, that. You have- what I will say, and I think you would agree with this too, is that on paper and of production that we've seen, like talked about Tyson Forrester earlier, um, uh, uh, Cutter Gunthier, Guthier, that we're, uh, anticip- Gauthier, that we're anticipating to be a high-level prospect – for the most part, it seems like Chuck Fletcher in the scouting department has their finger on the pulse of good elite, ta- potentially elite talent. They just have to develop them properly. That I will give Chuck Fletcher props to. I think that is, a, I think that great. I think they gave that a D plus in draft roster building. So, or no, I'm sorry, drafting development D minus. I would put the, probably put that closer to like a C, C plus range because the only problem is. Development, like we haven't really seen uh, development really coincide with the drafting because they're younger. I mean, think about it this way. Chuck's first year was 2018, 2019. So you honestly, you're only three years removed from his really his first draft and a 2020 draft, you know, because of covid. Uh, you're not you're not getting the full effect on everything because you're that. So now, now I'm sitting here and I'm not going to say, oh, Chuck, defend. Look. Chuck has the same flaws that Hextall did where they weren't able to push team over the edge. When, when Chuck first came in, his big signing was Kevin Hayes. But you need two centers. You didn't have anything up the middle. You had nothing in your system. Scott Lawton, all due respect, good player, gritty player, not a guy who can anchor your second line in the NHL. Not at that level. Third line, yes, absolutely. But he's a checking guy. He's not a point-producing guy. So that's why he went and signed Kevin Hayes. You tried to upgrade the defense. You went and got Matt Niskin. And so you're like, okay, we put some pieces around you, let the other guys get going. And they did. And then, you know, after, you know, they make it to the second round of the playoffs, game seven, after being three to one in that series. Then the wheels fell off. For whatever reason, that talent that they expected to take a step up did not happen. Uh, you know, Oscar Lindblom gets cancer. He was leading point score by the time he went mm-hmm. out. 
now you know you had the you, you're expecting those points when guys take a step forward you expect that consistency in points look at guys like wayne simmons not a flashy guy but he will always count on for 20 goals yep. you can always count on for 40 50 points Danny scott Barrera hartnell again back. yeah right you know scott hartnell's another one of those guys back in the day you could always count on him for like 20 goals and like you know around 50 points like you can count on that when guys who are expected to take that step up don't start scoring or they lose the scoring, that's where the team become gets in trouble. Yep. Because you're you you can turn into a defensive team and you can keep scoring at a minimum, but then you're playing boring trap hockey, which fans don't really resonate with. It wins, but it's not fun. So here's the issue that I see, but people aren't looking this as a big thing, big issue. Is that you need a couple seasons for the do it the right way of making sure that these kids develop. It's good you didn't force up for Tyson Forster. Cutter Gauthier is not going to be up till next season, and even then, you're not even sure if you want to bring him up then because you're you're kind of want to develop him because you're going to have Kevin Hayes under contract. You have Sean Couturier. You got Sky Lawton. You have you have yep. You're up the middle. You're pretty you're pretty good. So they, I I look at this team, and then you have a guy like people when you talk about Owen Tippett. Like, Owen Tippett was first-round talent. Owen Tippett has some of the best shooting ability I've seen in a long time. For a team that didn't have a sniper and a shoot-first mentality, they have that ability now. He just... He needs to stop hitting the post. Like, honestly, yeah. like he, yeah. he hits the post a lot. And But that's not a bad thing. It just once they start going in, you start going in bunches. But... Uh, you know, a guy and a guy like Travis Konechny, I really got to see how he responds. Like, I, I, I kind of get on Travis Konechny a bit because I, I see that there's more there. I know there's more there, um, and I want to see Travis Konechny do well. But it's frustrating when you see a player who has the talent and he just doesn't. Have, he, it's not all out there. It's not all put together yet, and that's the development factor. That's the development factor, and we've been saying there's more there for two years now, th- almost three power play wise too. Yeah. That's what, that's the point. Like I, I at some point you just got to cut bait and figure out what you can do. Like, what, I'm what sh- are you going to get? What yeah, are you going right. to get for? Him? That's the problem. Like at some point you have to look like someone will take a flyer on a guy like Scott or excuse ah, me, uh, nice ch- little pun there. Yeah. I like that. Uh, take a, a, a flyer on Travis Konechny like there's teams out there that will do it especially the lower end teams the sad thing is you are a lower end team you're not competing you you, it's not like you like under the situation where because uh, we've talked about it a couple times Tyson Forrester is not like a kid that is lighting up the NH or the AHL and you're like well we got to create a roster space because we're competing for a, a, a cup and Travis Konechny is not producing the level that we did and we want to find a spot for Tyson Forrester so like the, it, they're not in that situation you're just in a situation where Travis Konechny is not playing the light way that we want him to and we need to get him out we need to get out of this contract and no one else is going to take them because higher end teams are going to take them. And the lower end teams that you're with are in the same boat. They have the same exact players that are on their roster that they're trying to get rid of. So uh, I think a higher end team would take them. It's just a matter of what are you going to get in return for them? I yeah. mean, you know, you're going to get a draft pick. You're going to get a decent uh, uh, prospect, that sort of thing. Look, and going back just to, to just to side note, I did a while you were talking Um the tribute was for Mike uh, Nikoluk, um, and then it was actually they used uh, 
They used somebody else's picture right. on there. That's what they were talking about. They used uh, Jerry Melnick's picture. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, and it, it, apparently it was an NBC Sports Philly issue. It wasn't a Flyer specific issue. Um, That's right. But anyway, it's still, it, yeah. It, it, but because it's still bad, and you still get associated with it because you're the Flyers and you're on NBC, who you, who you're in partner with, and it's politics, right? It's almost like politics. Exactly. So you know what I mean? Like, it's still all in connection. It's still a, a tangled web that we weave as fans, as uh, journalists, whatever, as beat writers, whoever it may be. It's right. what you write about when these kind of things happen. Right. And and I, and I look at this, and, and, you know, going back to this team as a whole, I, I, I think this season, people need to change their expectations. Like, I don't think the Flyers know what they have yet or what they're going to know what they're going to have under Tortorella. And what I mean by that is simple, is that you have a brand new coach who's going to look at every player for the first time with his own eyes and figure out what team he's going to build to win. I think the expectation is, is that people are saying, oh, my God, they're going to be stinking. I just I don't see it, man. Look, look. Look at the body of work that John Tortorella has done in his career. He took a mediocre Rangers team, and he, he did pretty well with it. He took a, took a team that even admitted he needed more scoring up front, and, and but, but he got a Columbus team that was always in contention for a playoff spot, and they swept the Tampa Bay Lightning and won the President's Trophy that year. They, he gets a team to play with confidence. And it, look, you might have a guy where he's going to make use Travis connecting maybe on the third line instead of the top line. You might have Tyson Forrester come in. Everything th- this this is a fresh slate for this Flyers team because you you have someone from outside of the organization who hasn't really watched a whole lot of the organization come in here and watch these players perform for the first time, and he's going to see the difference about what players are built for his style of play. What players need to be pushed a little harder? And I have trust in John Tortorella, dude, because he's done it before. I, I don't look at the, the, the Rangers. I don't look at the Lightning. I look at Columbus because it's the most recent thing. And people evolve, people change. And it seemed like to me he'd been the change coach when he was with Columbus. I, I'm a big believer in that when I talk about this big picture item, Chuck's got some really good talent in that pipeline. Look at Minnesota right now. Minnesota, it's all Chuck. That wasn't Bill Guerin. That was Chuck. That was all Chuck putting that team together. It's on the ice out there now. And they're a solid team overall. They don't have anybody really flashy. They have, um, I, I forget the one guy's name of the, the top of my head. But they have a solid group overall that competes. That's what you're looking for here. You don't have the star power of a Claude Giroux anymore. You got to figure out a captain situation. You have guys who can play hard for you, like Sean Couturier, Cam Atkinson. We forget that he played on a Tortorella. You have Travis Konechny. You have younger talent like Tyson Forrester. You're going to have Cutter Gauthier probably coming up in a year or two. You still have Kevin Hayes. You still have a decent back end in Ivan Proveroff who needs some work. You... Look, as much as, you know, from the PR side, Tony D'Angelo, Tony D'Angelo is an upgrade on that because you're not sure what's happened to Ryan Ellis. Apparently, he may try to come back this year. We don't know what's going to happen with that yet. You have Cam York, who's a younger player. You have a steady player who made some improvements this year in Rasmus Sisterlinen. You have a reliable guy in Cam York on your back end. And most importantly, you have Carter Hart, who can prove he can play at the NHL level. Questions about the backup, but that's a different story at the time. You could always trade for a backup at some point. I, 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 my, my key thing looking at this, 
You know, and, and don't forget JVR. He's going to be on this team this year. JVR. JVR can probably do a little more, you know, and, and score. He scored 20 goals last year. That's no joke. For a bad team, he scored 20 goals. It's pretty good. To go away and not rehash the Goudreau situation and stuff, you have a team here that had, that people I don't think realize are better than they think. You're not changing anything much besides the fact that Claude Giroux is not here anymore. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing. And if you have a team that learns to work together and rally around each other because they do have to work on a team, there's no star power, then that, that that's something that, that resonates more with Philadelphia than having a guy with a like an Eric Lindros or Claude Giroux type or anything like that. And that's a big deal. You need that team group. It is not a star. If... If stars were the best, then Sidney Crosby would have 10 Stanley Cups and Connor, Connor McDavid would already have five. But it doesn't work like that. Connor McDavid has been one conference final in his career. Sidney Crosby, yes, he's got three Stanley Cups. But at the same time, how many years did he go where they couldn't get out of the first round? So, like, you know, it's crazy that to me that Sidney Crosby is, is – um, is uh, what's it called? He's he's thirty four years old, but still, that's besides our thirty five years old. That's besides the point. But listen, they, you know, he's been in the league now seventeen years. And he's won three Stanley Cups. So it's not about one player. It's about the group, the teams itself. So look at like the Detroit teams, that dynasty team that won three Stanley Cups in five seasons. Mm-hmm. Look at the uh, look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like Tampa Bay, like yeah, they have Steve Stamkos, but they're overall a great team. And they've went, they've won two Stanley Cups, been the three straight Stanley Cup finals. So, you know, even the Penguins team, they get the Crosby, Malkin, and I get that, two good centers. But my point is, is that overall they had a good group to supplement that. Look, look, look at the group. They know how to work the cap. And this is doesn't even go back to uh, Ron Hextall. Like, Paul Holmgren is really the catalyst for this team. Like, they've been in cap hell or have we've heard that term cap hell for this flyers team since like 2012 not even earlier like around uh, like it, it just seems it. like they get out of it and then they seem to just get stuck back in it cuz they make bad roster moves to your point about uh Tampa Bay they know how to scout not just identify talent but also scout it and develop it and and they grow within like yeah your point about Steven Samkos he's the best player on that team but if you don't like, he's one of the best players on the team. Like, it's, right. like Kucherov's it's, the best player, or right. Victor Hedman, actually. Sure, but like, it's still the same thing. It's it's the 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 Tampa Bay Lightning have a good fundamental organization. The Flyers don't. Like, well, there's no, no, no. I disagree with you 100 percent there because Tampa went through this shit 10 years ago. Tampa went through all yes. this. They went through mm-hmm. all of it. That's how they got those good players in the first place. They know they had no choice but to rebuild from there. Stamkos went through a lot of bad years with that. Uh, see, see what you said there? They knew they had to rebuild there. Do the yeah. Flyers have that same mindset? Do they uh, know? They're going through it. They're going through it, but they're not accepting it. I disagree. Because they're still pushing it. Because, because honestly, you can't tell me that the signing, like John Torello aside, like I think a coach will take a job whenever there's a job, whether they're in a development, depending on who they is. Obviously, uh, uh, Barry Trotz was a different story. He wanted to play. He wanted to coach a contender, and he's made that known. But a team that is looking for a coach, John Torella, whoever it is, for the most part, they'll go with that team no matter what the situation because they know that if they develop it correctly, they can get them moving. 
I don't think the Flyers are coming to grips with themselves where they sit because we're sending a mixed message to the public. And if you're sending a mixed message to the public, you're probably sending a mixed message to your staff and your organization. And that creates confusion. It creates discourse and it creates um, just bad uh, aura in the organization. So. There is an, there is a better chance that this team in the first ten games starts two eight and zero or whatever than eight two and zero. Like that's just how this is going to go. And if you start two eight and zero, this is not going to be a fun season. Okay, like it's not going to end well. I I see your point. I respect it. I I don't disagree with you. I I see where you're coming from with this. I just think that if you look at the bigger picture, and I know I went on a rant a minute ago, but like I think this team has been in a rebuild for the past two seasons and we haven't they just haven't made it public because I think that they realized that they what they needed to do is that they needed to restock the cupboard I was big on the Johnny Gaudreau train because I think it would have done for the fan perspective and the business perspective but I also think at the same time now that I've thought about it and thought it's jumping the gun and, and that was the the heat that the Flyers got when they signed Kevin Hayes is that they jumped the gun they weren't ready to make that move and they did and they tie themselves up salary wise. So then you have problems with now, like Travis Sanheim. You got to make a decision on Travis Sanheim at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay. So then you have like JVR. I'm sorry, you, you don't trade a 20 goal scorer and a first round pick for cap space. I know it's a commodity, but you don't do that on an expiring contract. If he had term, yes. If he had two, three seasons, oh, absolutely. Yeah, get the hell out of here. Not on an expiring contract. That's absurd. So the point I'm trying to make is I think over the last couple of seasons, the Flyers have kind of been setting themselves up for a situation. I think that the Vigneault situation, it kind of got out of control and it spiraled and they kind of need to reset. But I think during that, too, they were also rebuilding because they're stocking the pipeline with this. They have Tyson Forrester, who's going to be who can shoot. Now they have Owen Tippett and ML Andre, who who flashed really, really well in the World Juniors and made a, and made a lot of good plays and scored a lot of points. Uh, was a great player in that series, and it caught people's attention. He's a bit undersized, but you know that I think that that's something where that can help Flyers on the blue line. So give mm-hmm. us more flexibility there. I think they think from what the Hextall era, what they learned was that they may they had good position and to make the wrong choices. I think that's what ultimately cost Hextall his job. It wasn't the moves he made at the NHL level; it was the moves he set up in the cupboard and saying, "Okay." You're riding a guy like Travis Konecki. If Travis Konecki is the cream of the crop and he hasn't done much, then that's a bit of an issue. Now you're getting guys with more specific skill set. You're looking for speed. You're looking for shooting. You have guys who can do that now. You have a big center and cutter, Gauthier, which is actually pretty good timing because you have Sean Couturier getting a little bit older. He'll be crossing 30 this year. So I think it's important for this team, to the people to know, that there is stuff in the cupboard they've been stocking the past few years. Now it's about taking those pieces and integrating them in your roster as you go forward and those guys taking a step forward. That's what I'm talking about with the rebuild here is that they did that in Tampa Bay. They built it around Stamkos. They brought up hey, drafted guys like Nikita Kucherov. They have good players and made the right trades. They got a high draft position in Victor Hedman, and Victor Hedman's been a rock from there. Andre Vasilevsky, they brought in Ben Bishop for a while, got into a Stanley Cup final until Vasilevsky developed into the talent that he is today. You have to give these kids a chance to to, to grow and and play and and figure it out and become adults at the same time as professionals. 
And I think the Flyers are giving the opportunity for them to do that for some of these younger players. They're not rushing them up. And I think people are losing patience. I think the rebuild has already been completed for the most part. And I think Cutter Gauthier is a big part of that piece because now you have a top five talent. And, and as far as up the middle and the center, which you can build a team around eventually. You have a young goaltender in Carter Hart, who's still a few years away from his prime, believe it or not. So I look at this group and say, look, people aren't giving the benefit of the doubt. And I understand why. And I, people have lost trust for this team, and I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But what I see here is a team that has stocked their cover in anticipation of losing a guy like Claude Giroux and saying, you know what, now we have pieces. Let's put them up there. Let's get a team built. Let's start surprising and get moving here because I think around a division, while there's more talent around a division, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. Is If you have a team that plays strong in a team game and the team concept, that overrides anything because, again, look at Connor McDavid. He could put up 115 points. And they can barely make the playoffs. You have a team where you have consistency down your lineup. That's the most important thing. That's what gets you progress. And I think that people will start to see that eventually during the season because that's why John Tortorella is here. And he's already talked about it in some of his some of his press conferences about the team concept, that the team concept is going to be done. And that's what really binds them together. And I believe that that's why they're going to surprise people this season. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. People think I'm crazy for saying that. I just see that this team is just against the division. Doesn't matter over the talent. I think that this team can play well enough to push for a playoff spot and, and squeeze in. I'm not saying Stanley Cup. I'm not saying they went around. No, I, I'm saying yeah. I think they make a pusher. And that should wake up people like, whoa. This team's not as bad as people think. There's something there. And I think that's a, I think that fans of Philadelphia are like, at this point, prove it. They're at the prove it point. Yes, that's exactly what they're at. They're at because, again, look, if would the Flyers making the playoffs under John Torrell in his first year uh, surprise me? Not really. Like, I would, I would be... Uh, it would be like, oh, okay, this makes sense because of how Tortorella coaches and how he can get players to push to their ability. Same time, though, this team, I think there's a better chance that they're top five pick again. Like it's and it's not, and it's not an indication on Chuck Fl- or excuse me. It's not an indication on Tortorella. It's an indicator on how Chuck Fletcher has performed his job in identifying talent and figuring out figuring out. Excuse me, because I've said that he is he's decent at identifying talent on the prospect level. He's not good at identifying talent on the free agency market on the NHL ready level. That's what like like it, it's just I Tony D'Angelo does nothing for me. Like it just does nothing for me, especially because you cut you waved or, or you bought out a guy like uh, Oscar Lindblom for Tony D'Angelo. And look, you can argue the semantics, but they're basically like it just it, it's not. <laughs> computable uh, compatible for me on how to make that and and, and i know what you're gonna say but what am i gonna say Go ahead, just put the word put the I, word honestly in. you had to make a change basically you're just you're like you have to make a change at this point to figure out what you have okay like you had to make some sort of adjustment to the roster and oscar Lindblom, who has been underperforming since coming back uh, uh, like to face reality he has been but is tony d'angelo the answer i don't think he is I want you to hold that thought for a second. Okay. 
What was the biggest piece missing from this team last year? Scoring. No. The biggest piece missing from this team last year. Oh, you're still asking me? Yeah. Uh, well, outbreak. Like, just just fundamental uh, defensive to offensive shift. Breakout. Correct. Yes. The transition from the defensive to the offensive zone was the biggest problem the Flyers had this year. If you look at their game as a whole, that was the problem with their game. It wasn't the fact they couldn't score. The fact the problem was because they couldn't transition out of their own end because they did not have a first-pass defenseman, an offensive defenseman to push the puck up ice, causing Ivan Provorov to do too much and turn the puck over too much. Too much pressure. Okay. Now, would you trade Oscar Lindblom? Because Ryan Ellis was out. Ryan Ellis was the biggest piece missing from this team last year. Yep. Would you trade Oscar Lindblom, what he did production-wise, not person-wise, not everything he's going through, would you trade Oscar Lindblom's production for a guy who played opposite Jacob Slavin and can push the tempo up ice for, for more offensive opportunity? Would you do that? Tony D'Angelo aside, would you trade that? Yeah, there you go. That's what you yeah. have to look at. See, people look at the player and and you get the emotional aspect. I understand it's a huge story with the with the with the Oscar Lindblom thing, but I was saying so far as the beginning of last season, Oscar Lindblom needed to get back to the level to where he was because that production would be missed. Was it missed last season, Bill? Yeah, it was. Okay. But so was everything. Everything was missing last correct, year. Correct, correct. And Ryan Ellis was a curveball when nobody expected. Yep. But at that point, if you're not unexpected. sure. Like, we right. have no and, idea if he's playing this year. Exactly. And now you have the point where, okay, you might have to give up an Oscar Lindblom type player and what he could bring as opposed to what you know to a guy like Tony Briangelo is going to bring on your back end when it was the biggest problem. That is identifying where your hole is at and making a very difficult decision. Yep. So people want to look at it from the emotional perspective. I understand that. People are people. You look at people first. Yes, you have a guy who has who we rallied around in this city to 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 really get through his diagnosis and everything. And then two seasons later, he's gone. You're not. You're. I understand the emotional aspect, but that's a that's a decision you had to make in order to make this team better because they weren't going to be better this season without getting something on their back end to replace Ryan Ellis. Now, down at some point, Ryan Ellis comes back, and that's a huge, huge upgrade to their defense. But that's all. All Kings consider, and we're going to put that aside. You had to get a guy like Tony D'Angelo because that was the only thing that was available. You, you, this is the third time in three seasons you've had to do this because of the surprise retirement from Niskanen. You, you really you couldn't do anything with the flat cap. Teams weren't willing to move it. You go get Ryan Ellis, and then all of a sudden it's injured. So it's not like they, they're they not identifying the holes. They are just getting some extremely bad luck when it comes to it. So I can't I, I can't agree with you when I say it. You know, you're not identifying what's going on in the level because he's replacing his skill set there as he's needed now. Now, I think that there was more of that problem in the Hextall era. Like they, a, a winger is like a luxury in the in the NHL. It's almost like, you know, it's like, OK, wingers are nice to have, but you really need centers, the most important position because they play 200 feet. We could have gotten one signed, you know, five, a couple of years ago. There was nobody else on the market. They had to go get JVR. They needed scoring up front. They needed a winger, a big bodied winger, a winger. They could score a 30 goal score is the third bread considered by by Brian Burke. All-around player that really came up to his game and, hey, look, play in front of the net. That's your game. That's how you do it. They needed that. They still need that. So, like, now and then you have a problem where you, you can't take away 20 goals off your NHL roster for something that could happen. Now, you can't take 20 goals. Off your, you don't have enough scoring anywhere else. And and that and that's what people don't see is that, yeah, oh, my God, you wouldn't trade it for Johnny Gajon. Okay. 
Johnny Gaudreau apparently didn't want to come here. There's no guarantee that Johnny Gaudreau would be back to his 100-point season in a new offense with a new team with a new structure. Like, There's no guarantee. Are you looking like 50, 70 points? Yeah, more than likely, but not 100. So that's what I'm saying is that you, you're you're spending a lot more money in the long more term for twenty more points. Is it is it is it is it worth it? That's what people need to look at when they weigh with these things, and that's not something that crosses the mind of the average fan, which I understand. That you just want to see the team play well. You know, you look at these things on the surface, but when you dive into the deeper things, would you trade Oscar Limbaugh's production last year for a guy like Tony D'Angelo's production? Hundred percent, I do that in a heartbeat. Hard decision yeah. to make, but I have to do it as a, to make the team better. Am I going to trade a first-round pick, potentially, and then also uh, this, uh, what's it called, and add a guy with a long-term ch- long-term uh, contract with a lot of money tied up in it for potentially 20, 30 more points? I don't know. I, that's a hard decision to make. For And you're giving up a lot for not a lot in return. That's what I've thought about over the while you've been on your hiatus in a way and doing your stuff. And, you know, these are the kind of things that go through my mind. But it's true. Like, and, and people don't see that. And when you look at it from that perspective, you have to look at it as like a business. You have to take that. And this is why they say don't get emotionally attached to players because at the end of the day, yes, the people come first absolutely 100% when you're talking this level. But at the same time, if a team is going to try to get better, this is an extremely competitive league, you have to find a way to get that edge, and sometimes you have to make extremely hard decisions to do that. All right, fine. Let's see what happens. That's really, like, <laughs> we're only a few weeks away. We're only a few we weeks away from training camp opening up in the middle of September. We're in the middle of August. Like, it's just a slog of trying to figure out what the hell this team is going to look like and be uh, this season. We like, won't know. We won't we're know, not until Christmas. know until December. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, until until Christmas. Christmas. So uh, that's going to do it. Episode 121 of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, the journey continues. I mean, that's really all we can do. Uh, just trying to figure out what this team is going to be. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at O Backcheck on Twitter at Orange and Backcheck Podcast on Instagram. Uh, search us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on your favorite Twitter platform or excuse me, podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever. We're all on that good stuff. And shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. This team will make the playoffs.